songs that made the hit parade guys like us we had it made those were the days he said it he said the title <laughs> <laughs> yes he did ron and welcome back everyone to episode 17 which we uh, i've entitled those were the days um and might i say happy new year folks uh, to all of you happy new year this is our uh, first episode of the new year and um hard to believe it's 1998 already unbelievable (laughs) for three months you'll be writing the wrong date (laughs) that's that's how it happens i've been writing 2024 already so apparently i'm ready for the shoot 2023 to move on no well um in full disclosure though folks we are actually uh recording this on december 21st of 2023 so we haven't actually gotten through christmas yet winter solstice is today yes today is the winter solstice how are we all feeling are we solstice it's dark super solstice it's always dark celebrating the salmonella thing from last Saturday yeah Yeah, it it is still going on to the 23rd if i'm correct yes Yes, it is yes okay that's great. So that's really where we are, folks. But by the time you listen to this, the Salmonella will be over, and we will be. Uh, um, it'll be the new year for all of you. Um, but hey, guys, before we start, I went to New York City. What? And I was told by one of our um, guys here on the. Oh no! Wait. You know what? Even before that, what you all want to know is. Who are we? Who are we? <laughs> these myself there for thirty years. These four, these, four, <laughs> these four guys on the porch I said, "Who, not what?" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my name is Brian Burchett Ross, and I am the leader of this ragtag team of uh, porch sitters. Um, and uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. We've got Dave War. And I'm still wondering why he won't let us off the porch. It's cold out here. It's too <laughs> damn cold. And I'm Ron Roberts. I'm from the Homeowners Association. These people on your front porch are not approved. You have 30 days to respond to this message. Robert Yeoman. Jeff Finley. Thank you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> that's nice. Um Anyway, so here we are. Uh, we're on the porch, uh, five men of a certain age, and uh, we talk about whatever topics um, I decide we want to talk about. Uh, first show of this, uh, this new season, uh, and of course I wanted to name it, those were the days. Now, for those of you who are listening to our last uh, episode, which was our Christmas episode, I said uh, that our first one of the season um, would be, uh, our first one of the season would be... Um, 
about the X-Men. I wanted to do comic books. And uh, Dave groaned. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, and afterwards I, I sent these guys a message and I said, no, you know what? We'll do comic books, but we'll do Spider-Man. <laughs> and they all went, that's fine. Well, then um, Norman Lear passed. And uh, I immediately thought to myself, I really would love to do um, an episode. Let's talk about this man because uh, he altered, literally altered the face of television. Yes, he did. And uh, so I thought, all right, uh, that's what um, we'll we'll open with. And and I don't know if any of you noticed, guys, but those those two Christmas episodes, the ones uh, with Ron and I's kids, and then the ones with us, there was no rest in peace segment. Because we had nobody who had passed away, um, and with between that uh, last recording and this recording, we've had a lot of, of people pass away. So I thought I'm really going to go um, off script here for a second, and I thought we're going to start with the rest in peace segment, which will end with Norman Lear, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about Norman and his his uh, the power that he. Uh, television um so uh, we're starting with the rest in peace segment and i want to start with ron because when any time there's a uh sports he's still with us <laughs> I'm, I'm not resting in peace my god if you don't want me on the show anymore just say it because he's quiet I know. Seriously. Ron. He, he the poor guy froze to death here on, on the porch <laughs> wow I mean, again, if you don't want me back on the show, that's fine. You don't have to kill me. No, you're on, you're on. Jeez. <laughs> Not Gene Stapleton. Oh. Too soon. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Hit a nerve, everybody. I tell you. So anybody from the, the sports, uh, did we lose reference. anyone? What's that? Well, a good Lear reference. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it was. Uh, well, recently, within the last week, uh, excuse me, it was Eric Montross, who uh, was a member of the uh, national championship, I think, 93 North Carolina Tar Heels. And he also, in a local note, did play for the Detroit Pistons. So he was a uh, All-American college basketball player, phenomenal in, in college, uh, didn't really have as big of a pro career, but he was definitely one of the uh, forces in the early 90s in college basketball. He passed away at the age of 52 from an und undisclosed cancer. So, uh, but uh, very young, left yeah. a wife and some children. Oh, that's horrible. Um, but uh, I think that was the only one. Wasn't I think it? so. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there, there's probably others that I just don't, you know. Well, and I'll be honest with you. There, we've had so many. I almost uh, was. Um, I may have. I may have, be, have forgotten a few. Um, also, uh, since the last time we've done this, we lost Denny Lane, um, who was with the Moody Blues and the Eagles. Um, or no wings. I'm no, sorry, wings. Yeah. Wings. Uh, wings. That was uh, that guy, Paul McCartney, or something. <laughs> it was. I don't know. He never really got went far. Um, Sandra Day O'Connor. Uh, we lost. Who was a, a pioneer in uh, her field? Uh, speaking of uh, political figures, uh, political pop figures, and you know, the interchangeable half the time anymore. Uh, we had two that um, really are interesting. Um, in the fact that, well, let me just say the two names. We lost Henry Kissinger and we lost Rosalind Carter. Mm -hmm. um, I, that is as night and day as I think you can get, mm -hmm. myself. But, um, and I, we really don't 
talk politics on here. I prefer not to. But I will say Rosalind Carter was probably one of the, um, from all appearances, she was probably one of the sweetest, nicest, kindest um, first ladies I, I we will ever yeah, see. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I think she's often credited with changing the role of first lady to being one of a more activist role. Yes. Um, as opposed to just, uh, I'm here to preside over the state dinner and be pretty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we also had lost uh, Frances Sternhagen, uh, who uh, was a, a big-time um, actress uh, both on stage or on screen, big screen and small screen, although most people uh, of our age would remember her as Cliff Clavin's mother on Cheers. Oh, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, Clifford? What? She would call him Clifford. So oh, that's right. Clifford? Clifford? Uh, we also lost Ryan O'Neill. Mm. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Big, big, time, uh, big time actor for many years. Not one of my personal favorites, uh, but I did like uh, Paper Moon, yes. um, which was his big one with his daughter. Um, and I think, wasn't, was Ryan O'Neill married to Farrah Fawcett? Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought he was, but I could not he remember. The You're So Vain connection. Yeah. Mm. Um, we lost uh, Herma Rush, a TV producer, who um, ironically acquired uh, Death Do Us Part, which is the British version of All in the Family. Um, and then he gave it to Norman Lear. Uh, so, um, you know, he's pretty important. Andre Brower, uh, who was an amazing actor on uh, the show Homicide and uh, Life on the Street, as well as my favorite, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Loved that, man. He was funny. I don't know if any of you ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but that yes. was a oh, funny yeah. show. One of my favorite shows for a while. Yeah. Mine, mine too. Lung cancer is what. What was is, his? The is that what got him? Yep. He's what sixty one. Sixty two. Sixty one. Ken Calvert. Uh, he died recently. Um, that's more of a local, local. Yeah. thing, but uh, he was a huge uh, DJ, uh, radio personality back in the day on uh, WRIF. Uh, our riff, baby. Well, that was Arthur Penhaller. Well, also I know Arthur, Arthur said it, but yeah. But. Uh, he was also the voice of the Detroit Pistons at the Silverdome <laughs> up until 2001, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then we also have Ellen Holly, who uh, was on uh, mostly on stage, um, but she also had a very long career in daytime television. Uh, and her one of her biggest roles that she won an Emmy for was uh, in the early to mid-70s, she played the character of Carla... Did I write down the last name? I did not. Um, but she had a very... It was a very... Uh, the storyline she had was, at, at the time, very controversial because she was very light-skinned, and so her character, when she came to Landview, to this, you know, the soap opera town, she presented herself as white for many, many... Uh, months and uh, there they got a lot of feedback, um, both positive and negative, on that um, at the time. I do remember that. Um, and uh, let me see, did I miss anybody? Oh, uh, Marty Croft. Um, we lost Marty Croft, and uh, who you know, if you didn't, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, we actually did an episode on Sid and Marty Croft. Uh, I want to say episode 
six, maybe six or seven. So, uh, you know, go back. But we did talk about um, Marty Croft a lot. Again, uh, very creative. Uh, did a lot for Saturday morning for the children's programming, uh, HR Puff and stuff and Lidsville and, and uh, all that wonderful, wonderful stuff. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour, the oh, yes. Donnie and Marie Show. The Donnie and Marie Show, the Barbara Bugaloos. Mandrell. What's that, Bob? The Bugaloos. The Bugaloos. Yeah. He did. He did. Sigmund and the Sea Monster. Yeah, Jeff, he did that, too. The Lost Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Land of Land the Lost. Lost. Land of the Lost. Oh, Land of the Lost. Yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, I think that was them. Yeah, yeah that was them, definitely. Um, and then, finally, um, what our topic is today, Norman Lear. Uh and start us off with some um, a few notes. Norman Milton Lear was born in on July twenty seventh, nineteen twenty two, in New Haven, Connecticut, to Herman and Jeanette Lear. His father was a salesman of various products who was not very good at selling much of anything, um, who sometimes ran afoul of the law, and who had his son later recalled more than a hint of Archie in him. He would tell his wife to stifle herself many times, uh, just as Archie would tell Edith, and more than once told Norman, you are the laziest white kid I ever saw. <laughs> so there, there's there's his father in a nutshell. Uh, he was raised mostly in Hartford, uh, graduated from Weaver High School in 1940, and attended Emerson College in Boston, Boston, but left shortly after the United States entered World War II to enlist in the Army Air Forces. Um Originally, he was assigned to pilot training, but he couldn't pass the math sections. I can respect that. Uh, so he became a radio operator on a B-17 flying fortress named Umbri... It was named something. Umbrajo. Uh, with the 70, 772nd Bombardment Squadron, Squadron, 463rd Bombardment Heavy Group 15th Air Force. That's a lot. Uh, as a radio man, he was also responsible for manning one of the plane's 13 machine guns. And now I find this really interesting. He flew 52 missions over Nazi-occupied territory before the war's end at a time when surviving to fly 25 missions was considered next to impossible. So the man saw a lot of action. Uh, he did survive, of course, and was discharged as a technical sergeant, having received five air medals. After the war, uh, a lot of the servicemen took advantage of the GI Bill, but Mr. Lear decided he would not return to Emerson. And with the help of an uncle who was a press agent, he got a job with the publicity firm of George and Dorothy Ross, who had many clients in the theater, but he only lasted a year before being fired for planting one too many items that were demonstrably false. <laughs> so apparently he was a real player at times. Uh, he found a way to put his imagination to better use after he and his first wife, Charlotte, moved to L.A. in 1949. For a while, he and a friend, Ed Simmons, worked as door-to-door -door salesmen and eventually they started to write comedy routines together. And their break came when Mr. Lear called the agent for a popular nightclub entertainer called Danny Thomas, hmm. who would later become a TV star and got his home phone number by pretending to be a New York Times reporter. Hmm. Mr. Thomas appreciated the boldness of the ploy, and he also liked the routine the two men wrote for him and purchased it. Uh, with television in its infancy uh, and needing material, Mr. Lear and Mr. Simmons soon became writers for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. 
who were among the rotating hosts of the Colgate Comedy Hour. They went on to write for the Martha Ray Show, which Mr. Lear directed as well, after which they went on their separate ways, and Mr. Lear wrote and produced the George Goebel Show, which I didn't even know George Goebel had his own show. Everybody had a show back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, that's true. And just a side note on Danny Thomas, I think it, it. everyone thinks of him as coming from Toledo, but my, as I grew up, I was always always heard that he was actually born in, born in Deerfield, Michigan, just up across the county line from us. He was. Yeah. He was. born. I, I read a little bit on that, too. He was born in Deerfield, and then the family moved into moved to Detroit. Or no, he moved to Detroit. Yeah, Detroit and, and then Toledo. Right? And then, yeah, but he had a, they still, his house is still there um, that, you know, that he lived in and, and all that. Um, but, yeah. So, but you're right, Deerfield, which is like just a little farming yep. community. Small um, village. <clears throat> mm-hmm. In 1958, Mr. Lear and his fellow writer Bud, York, Bud Yorkin formed Tandem Productions uh, because they thought of themselves uh, not unlike two men going uphill on a tandem bicycle. Uh, the company produced the singer Andy Williams' long-running variety show as well as many television specials and several movies. Mr. Lear then wrote the screenplay for the tandem film Come Blow Your Horn in 1963, starring Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. directed by Mr. Yorkin and based on a Neil Simon play. I didn't know that either. That was a, when I read that. I'd never read that play. Um, he uh, His script for Divorce American Style, 1967, starring Dick Van Dyke and Debbie Reynolds, also directed by Mr. Yorkin, was nominated, nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, Mr. Lear was one of the writers of The Night They Ridden Minsky's 1968, a uh, celebration of the glory days of burlesque. Um, and he also wrote and directed Cold Turkey in 1971, also starring Mr. Van Dyke. Has anybody ever seen that movie? I have. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. You like that? Yeah. Bob, you have too? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, have, I haven't seen it, but I've heard yeah, it's a good movie. Funny, funny things about it. Um, and that was when, uh, uh, let's see. He, he, he might have remained a reasonably successful but relatively obscure screenwriter and occasional director had he and Miss York had not learned about a little BBC series called Till Death Do Us Part, uh, which Mr. Lear wrote a script modeled on that sh- uh, BBC show, and he and Mr. Yorkin shot two pilot episodes for ABC. The network, however, rejected the show, originally titled Justice for All, since the lead character was originally, originally named Archie Justice. Mm. And CBS almost did, too. But Robert D. Wood, the president of CBS Television at the time, had faith in the idea. He fought for it. <coughs> Excuse me. Put the show uh, and put on the show by the then named All in the Family on the air. Uh, some critics embraced the show. Others called it wretched. Um, the New York Times' Fred Ferretti wrote that it's ethnic slurs shock because one is not used to hearing them shouted from the television tube during <laughs> primetime family programs. They don't make one laugh, he added, so much as they force self-conscious, semi-amused gasps. I'm sorry, sir. I laughed. I laughed at every one of them. <laughs> so, booyah to you. Um, but the public liked it, and after being moved from Tuesday to Saturday, it became the top-rated show on television. And while moving in and out of different spots on the schedule, it remained at the top for five consecutive seasons. Uh, in March of 1972, the Times reported that at 8 p.m. every Saturday, 60% of all television sets in America were turned to it. And from 50 to 60 million viewers were watching, among them Sammy Davis Jr., who actually rearranged his uh, schedule, his performing schedule, so he could watch it in the dressing room um, in the evening. Uh, and, of course, 
later made a very memorable appearance. Um, uh, and he was, uh, Mr. Davis was ex- expressed amazement that anyone would be insulted by the all in the family. Uh, but for over the years, many groups said that they were and not just ethnic groups. Some older Americans, for instance, took offense to an episode in which two people were married in a nursing home and the bride fell asleep. It's the only time Mr. Lear agreed not to permit its rebroadcast. He he decided that uh, on one of these few occasions that he seemed to find merit in the complaints of those critics. So uh, I guess that was never shown again. Um, and I want to see that episode now. Really bad. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Lear turned his attention back to movies in 1982 when he and Mr. Yorkin uh, and Jerry Perinchio bought Avco Embassy Pictures. They renamed it Embassy Communications and released films including Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander and the acclaimed mock documentary, This is Spinal Tap. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, love Goes that. to 11. <laughs> Directed by On the Family alumnus. Rob Reiner. In 1985, after Mr. Lear acquired Mr. Yorkin's share, uh, he and Mr. Perenchio sold Embassy and Tandem to the Coca-Cola Company for $485 million. That same year, he, uh, Mr. Lear founded Act 3 Communications, named to signify the third act of his life, and their most notable productions were two other Rob Reiner films, Stand By Me and The Princess Bride. Nice. Very good. So... Um, and I find that inconceivable. <laughs> I, don't. I, I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> uh, at the end of the 1970s, at the height of its success in entertainment, Lear put his television career on hold to mobilize Americans on behalf of the freedoms, uh, on behalf of the freedoms for which he had fought as a young man, because uh, he was alarmed at the divisiveness and rising political influence of televangelists who suggested that only people who shared their religious beliefs and political worldview could be good Americans. Uh, recognizing such exclusionary rhetoric as a threat to a diverse dem- uh, democratic society. What year was that? Uh, at the end of the 1970s, it says. Never heard of such a thing, have I you? you? I no. think it was like 1978. Oh, I really up. came to uh, We're being sarcastic. Oh, I right? see that now. Okay. <laughs> Subtle. Hey, it's been a while, guys. We haven't, been, we haven't been on the bench in a while. Those who do not learn their history are condemned to repeat it. <laughs> mm, isn't that mm. the truth? Um, but we don't talk about politics. No. No, we don't talk about politics. He was an active member of the Progressive Advocacy, Advocacy Organization's board until his death. In a Washington Post a published uh, op-ed published in 2021 on his 99th birthday, Leah wrote, I am a patriot and I will not... <coughs> I will not surrender that word to those who play to our worst impulses rather than our highest ideals. I like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was also, Norman was, involved in a few episodes of South Park (laughs) and at the time of his death was working on a reboot. And I hope they continue to do this. This excites me. A reboot of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Oh, Oh my goodness. Starring Schitt's Creek star... Emily Hampshire oh my as Mary. Mary Hartman. I could see that. Have you ever, oh, you yeah. ever seen Schitt's Creek? Definitely. Oh, yeah. But I could see the daughter playing Mary Hartman very easily. Um, he was also working on an updated and animated version of Good Times. So that's a little bit of the history of, um, which I don't know if that'll ever. Mm. Animated? Yeah. Well, that's, it is kind of cheaper. I just just don't see that as a. It, 
But I'm not, no. I, you know, I didn't sell a company for $432 million, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah. His, um, his track record can't be denied, but... No, it, it can't. But he had some he had some clunkers too, and I didn't list any of the clunkers. But you know, he had indirectly some he is the man who took Hooterville away from us. So, yeah, that's true. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Are you, are you going to be able to go on, Dave? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, he did. He that was his big thing with television. Uh, one of the things I read was he said back in uh, the '60s. The biggest issue on any family sitcom was, oh dear, I dented dad's car. How do I get out of this? Um, or what? What's the wife going to make for dinner tonight? Uh, you know, thing. And he wanted it to be, he wanted TV to or reflect. I know, know my mom was not interested in how, how white the, a collar could get or how shiny the floor linoleum could be. <laughs> exactly, um, and in. Neither was Norman Lear, so he wanted uh, he wanted to make uh, TV that showed uh, who we were as a society, and uh, I think he did. So, uh, okay, gentlemen, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I have talked and talked and talked and discuss. Well, the first step is that you realize it. <laughs> <laughs> I have, Bob. Yes, you're right. That is the first the first step in getting help. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's do our let's do our um uh getting to know you question. Maybe that'll that'll set us going. All right, so uh hit it, Julie. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Thank you, Julie. Uh, nice to see you back this year. I see you let your hair grow a little bit longer. All right. Um, so my getting to know you question uh, that I asked you gentlemen are uh, give me three of your favorite moments from a Norman Lear show. And uh, normally I'll either start with Bob or Dave, but I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Jeff this time. Sure. Let's we'll start with the newbie. Well, uh, he's written so many <clears throat> sitcoms, and they all seem to have branched off from um, from one, which was All in the Family. And I, I I did watch a lot of the other ones, but All in the Family is pr- primarily the one that I that I would uh, uh, go to as far as moments that I, I truly remember. Um, and I wrote them down here. One of them that really sticks out, <clears throat> and, and it kind of goes along with what uh, what you've just read about him, uh, Brian Norman Lear. It's, it, it was an episode called um, Everybody Tells the Truth, and it starred Ron Glass. And basically what it was, there was an incident that took place at, at, at Archie's house, uh, the Bunker's home, uh, where a refrigerator repairman would come in, and his apprentice was there, who happened to be black, uh, and something transpired. And both uh, Archie and uh, Mike... Had different value or different different opinions as to what the incident was about, and uh, of course Archie's incident was that this this man was was like a Black Panther type individual and it carried a big old knife and and of course Mike's uh, thing was that he was a very uh, very docile individual and and had uh, just like a little look like a little pin knife type thing, um, two extremes. Uh, opinions as to what transpired um, in, in the kitchen, um, and it, it just shows you, uh, you know, Archie's character, Mike's character—one Republican, one Democrat, one liberal, one not. 
Um, and then they actually show what transpired, which was kind of a mix between the two, but it was neither neither to the extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was one episode. Uh, one episode uh, was we talked about this previously, and I made a mistake. I, I, I said um, Archie had saved the life of, of somebody in his cab, and we thought was a woman, and ended up being a, a female impersonator. I made the mistake saying it was divine. I, 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 of course, now that I looked at it, it was not. It was it was actually I wrote the lady's name down. Um, uh, character's name was Beverly LaSalle. <laughs> Stage name was Lori Shannon. His real name was Don Seymour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just funny because Archie gave her mouth to mouth, and of course the thing was a woman. And at the end, he takes off her wig. And then they did a follow up with that. It was called uh, Edith's Crisis of Faith, where uh, Beverly had uh, been uh, mugged uh, and ended up getting killed by uh, the injuries. Uh, she died from the injuries um, in the hospital. And at that point, Edith had befriended her and just lost total faith in. in in, uh, in God at that point. Those are three that, that I had written down. Uh, of course, there's so, so many, so many more, but because oh, we want to keep this down to an hour. <laughs> um, uh, those are three that, that stick out to me. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I have a feeling some of us are going to be maybe in saying some of the same ones we're going to be repeating, but uh, Dave, you look like you were, I had a question. Well, well, going back with the one about the truth. Yes. I, I think I wanted to, I guess I'll um, toss something else out there. Um, you indicated that Mike thought it was a pen knife. Yeah. But no, Mike thought there was no knife. No knife. That, correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. he was just as bad as Archie. Yes. Yes. And that's um, exactly what normally was That's what they out. came out. Yeah. Is, is I think it was, it was more than just one was conservative, one was liberal. They both saw the the apprentice in stereotypical ways. Yes. Mike happened to see him in the step and fetch it kind of role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Archie just saw him as the black thug. Yes. Um, but they were both seeing him through. This first time we really saw Mike's prejudices come out, but his prejudices just happened to be the opposite of Archie's. Right. And I believe right. it was Edith who was the one who had to set the record straight. Yes. And, and you're right. It, it, what ended up being is that he he had. He actually had a little, little jack. Yeah, right? and that's, yeah, that's right. But, but I just remember very clearly the. Yep. Um, because he kept saying, "There's no knife. There's no knife. Yeah, no yeah. knife." And then um, Edith says, "Well, there's no knife." And then, of course, if, he says, "And then Michael says, what? And says, "Yeah, you're just as bad as Daddy." Yeah. And Archie says, "Yeah, you're just as bad as me." <laughs> you know, that was that was the moment. Um, but no, that yes, that again was that's one of my favorite episodes too, just because it just. Yeah. showed you know the layers of it showing the differences and part of the brilliance of it was just that it showed the differences but they were both both these characters are stereo you know racist mm-hmm. yes. but in different ways yes. yeah in Correct. different ways yeah, because they both had their preconceived ideas yes. of how a black man should act exactly but, exactly and uh, truly um and he was really just a regular guy yes and and norman lear as you said the brilliance of showing that both sides can be just as as Far as far leaning, um, and and racist and whatever. Uh, George Jefferson was another character created exactly mm-hmm. for that same reason, um, but only he was the black man disliking the white man. So I mean, Norman Lear was was knew how to play to that um, constantly. Since you already got the mic, uh, Dave, what are what are your three? Well, I'm not even sure I have three, but uh, one I, one that comes to top to me is actually after our, all the family became Archie's Bunker's Palace, and they had made the decision, as Ron had kind of pointed out, Gene Stapleton uh, didn't want to do the show anymore, so they killed Edith off. 
it was a beautiful soliloquy. I think I may have mentioned in this other podcast. Did, beautiful yeah. soliloquy that Carol Connor gave Archie Bunker talking basically to Edith Shue and just yes, frankly yep. made me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, made my sister who was watching and my roommate at the time, all of us were just kind of in tears of this. And that, that was just powerful. To me, uh, the power of that was just uh, something because, you know, we have to remember All in the Family was on, what, 10, 11 years? Mm-hmm. 12 maybe when you went to Archie Bunker's place. He's, this was a character we had grown to love not over, you know, over a decade. Absolutely. And, and to kill her off like that was just, frankly, not done. Right. Um, you know, I think it's rare in television for someone to kill off a lead character, um, even though technically, you know, they could have. And Gene Stapleton, if I remember correctly, was upset about the decision at the time. Um, because it's like, why, why are you killing me off? You know, just leave me at home. Because right. Archie was right. running this bar, and it had become a workplace comedy. Um, but but to me, that was a powerful moment. Another episode that sticks in my mind comes from Maud. And frankly, it was when she had her, her abortion. She's talking to her uh, therapist or psychologist about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sticks with me. I think I was young enough at the time. I wasn't even 100% sure what was going on. Um, but I, I recall that as being quite a powerful episode as well. And then um, I'm not sure, like I say, the uh, uh, going back to the uh, truth-telling, it was always good. But there are so many moments. So it was probably when Tootie got her period. <laughs> kidding girls <laughs> well and and, and for the ages. well and and that's not tep- typically speaking a true norman lear production his no. production company though i believe mm-hmm. yes. um had done uh different strokes which spun off oh, uh, yeah. um shoot facts of life facts of life, life. girls but no but it's so so i think only, girls, only girls. he's only barely associated with that what's up mrs G? And, and he may not be at that point he may have sounds like he may have sold the company at that point anyway yeah uh york and may have still been involved um but anyway um so i yeah i don't know if i have a, a true third one because there's just too many yeah and there is there's there is there's a lot um well you get a b plus um <laughs> well i do remember that and i would say the other one too is um when we discover that the man who had been Jefferson, who had been coming into the house all the time with, um, uh, uh, for a while, that that was not George Jefferson. This right. Was his first introduction, it was Uncle. It was George's brother. I should remember the name now, and you know because George Jefferson said sometime off camera, "I've never stepped foot in a white man's house. I'm not going to start at the bottom." Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that'll be my number three. Mm. Okay. All right, uh, Mr. Yeoman, Bob. Uh, the Beverly episodes, and what was really good from from my viewpoint, they had Beverly show up just like a regular visit, and she just basically it was the start of the show. Edith and was going through Beverly's books on shows that he had done in the reviews, mm-hmm. and was just she's on. Oh, it's time! I've got to go closes the book and they all walk out and she came in about three or four times just for these very brief hi i'm still here so when they did kill off beverly mm-hmm. it really hurt yeah because you knew the character you felt sympathetic with the character oh yeah <laughs> it, well you know it shifted the from them to us yes and yes. the other part would be um Edith's almost rape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Which I think is part of the losing faith. 
trilogy they did. I think it was a trilogy of episodes. Yeah. But that, yeah, you're right. The the um, the almost the near rape of Edith was was very very powerful. Oh yeah. 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 And uh, you got a third. Well, Beverly was two. Oh, oh, the two, and then okay, all right, yeah, um, yeah. Edith's rape was one that I I remember very vividly, and uh, I really didn't. I remember even as a kid watching that the first time, thinking, I don't know how she's going to get out of this. I mean, it was it was scary. I mean, it was downright I was, scary. I think it was also right at Christmas time too. Was it? it was their anniversary? That's what it was. Oh, their anniversary. It was their anniversary, and everybody was over at Mike and Gloria's getting ready. She was going to come over with whatever, the cake or something. Right, right, yeah. The cake that saved her life. Yes. So, yeah. What about you, Ron? So, uh, one of them for me is from Good Times. Okay. And that's the episode called The Big Move. It was uh, from 1976, the second, I think the fourth season. It might have been the the fourth season. And James leaves to go get a new job in Mississippi. And so he's not, they're not going to be rich, but it's going to be a better place than what they are in Chicago. So he's gone. They're having a big going-away party. And they're in the middle of the big celebration, and they're getting all these telegrams and, oh, congratulations, congratulations. And right at the end, Florida gets one that says that James was killed in a car accident. Oh, that, yes, yes. Yeah, so, so that was one. But I, but I do believe it was the second season because he did not, he that actor did not John stay Amos. on. Yeah, John Amos John did Amos. not he stay he on very long. The focus of the show. Oh, he thought it should be the parents, him in Florida, and by then it was Jimmy Walker. <laughs> show. Yeah, the, the dynamite, dynamite. They yeah. he often he had an issue too with the fact that it was white people that were writing this writing the show. He did. Yes. Yeah. Um, another moment for me was the Sammy Davis Jr. episode, yeah. where Archie yeah. gets, he's in his cab and he leaves the his briefcase and he he comes over to the house and obviously there's the famous picture at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. I didn't really a third episode. I couldn't really narrow it down. But what I always enjoyed is whenever Archie would be watching TV or he'd have the newspaper and he'd start talking about politics, which I know we don't talk about. <laughs> but, I, but I have. I mean, a, I don't care if we talk a little bit about. I, I have one of my favorite Archie quotes here. Okay, and it's just priceless to me, and I apologize if anybody gets offended. But it's well. Let me tell you one thing about Richard E. Nixon. He knows how to keep his wife Pat home. Roosevelt could never do that with Eleanor. She was out on the loose running around with the coloreds, telling them they was getting the short end of the stick. She was the one who discovered the coloreds in this country. We never knew they was even here. <laughs> oh, my God. And I just, again... It, Richard E. Nixon? Yes. Yeah, he always said E. Oh, absolutely. He always yeah. said E. Yeah. And, well, and actually, the other thing, I, I, I now that I remember, is when, if you guys remember the episode where he gets put on TV... As the counterpoint about the guns, uh-huh. the I gun violence, that one. and he's remember. sitting there and he's like, "Yeah, what you need to do is you just need to give everybody guns and and, and like on, on the hijacks onto airplanes." Well, when the easy way to stop that is, is it, the airline stewardesses could just walk by and hand off the piece to everybody in the building <laughs> in, on a plane, and then when they land, you just take it back and there you go. Nobody's going to hijack the planes. Oh my gosh! And as it's going on, he's like, "I'm so glad they had you sit. You look taller." <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, it actually, it, it, and all in the family, if you have Freebie, um, I think it's for, it used to be, um, I forget what it used to be called, but it's a free app, and they, they have all the seasons on there. My three, um, uh, my first one, my top one was Maud having the abortion. Um, that was, and and I was younger than you, uh, and I'm pointing to Dave, uh, but 
I do remember vividly hearing my mother gasp because it was like you just weren't yeah, well, expecting the that lead wasn't character the that America is used to exactly cleaver right right um so that that was a shocker now that was always very vivid I always remember that um Edith's death was was number two for me as as well um again uh, Carol Connor just god he was he just breathed uh Archie Bunker and by then you know you felt it my my third one though um was a very brief scene and it has stuck with again another one that stuck with me because i think it's a it's a, it's a it's something that's so common it's called shoes and socks and it was an episode oh, with Mike and with Mike yeah, and Archie. I remember that. Where yeah. where Mike is up around in the snow. Oh, <laughs> Archie's trying to get Mike to hurry up because they're going somewhere. It's early in the morning, and Mike's struggling, and he gets his sock on, and then he puts a shoe on, yes. and then he start, and and Archie's like, "Wait a minute, that's not how Americans do it. You put on your sock and your sock, and then your shoe and your shoe." And they and it was just a wonderfully brilliant piece. Uh, to me, but and I still there are times <laughs> to this day that if I'm getting ready, I'll grab my socks and my shoes and I'll think, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to do sock sock? Or do I want to do sock shoe sock shoe? So, um, what about what about you, Jeff? Are you a sock sock or a sock shoe? Well, I'm sock sock shoe shoe. You're sock sock shoe yep, shoe. Yep, yep. What about you, Bob? Sock sock shoe shoe. Ron, if I wear socks, it's sock sock shoe shoe. shoe. All right, Dave. Um, sock sock shoe shoe. Sock sock shoe shoe. No one went the sandal route. Well, no. but in my case, it's usually because I keep my shoes by the door, so I'm putting my socks on in the bedroom. Then when I'm leaving, I'm putting my shoes on before I go outside. Okay. Oh, All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to do, um, I'll bring my socks downstairs instead of the dining room tables where my shoes are. So I actually do sock, shoe, sock, shoe. I, I, I do. You are a meat head. <laughs> Get from the neck up. Meat yeah, yeah. head. Yeah, stifle it. Um, <laughs> so... What we've really said here is that uh, our favorite Norman Lear moments from uh, his shows are pretty much, a lot of them were the dramas. Well, almost all of them, I noticed, were from All in the Family with a couple of mods in there and a good times. Yeah. Um, you know, because that, that when you get down to it, All in the Family, I think even though it was more or less in the middle of his career, was probably his crowning achievement. Oh, absolutely. As a producer. You know, one thing about the Jeffersons is, is that... Um, he did something that was probably most likely taboo for that for that time period. Is he had interracial yep. uh, marriage? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was Purposely. Tom and Carol. Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The neighbors. Mm-hmm. Unheard of. Unheard of. Um, but it worked really well. Yeah. And and George didn't like that. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. Which once again shows the the brilliance of Norman Lear that it's listen it's not just these people over here, it's all of us. And every part and it, of life. It was the way he treated Bentley, too, don't forget. Yeah. He also yeah. didn't like Bentley, either. Yeah. The English so. guy. Yeah. I forgot about Bentley. Yeah, the English He uh, He walked on his back because that made Bentley feel good, but he couldn't stand him. Yeah, I so. forgot about that. But but here's the thing. Did he really? Could I I still hold that even with Archie and with George and, and with Maud Finley, they did care. Oh, they absolutely. ended. They oh, ended yeah. up. They ended up loving. You know, Archie loved Mike. Um, 
Maud loved the neighbor who Conrad Bain played, um, who was the obnoxious Republican that she, you know, would always argue with. And her wife was the plumber or something. She was like a handy woman. Uh, Rue McCallaghan played his oh, wife uh, in it. She played the dits. One. No, the, the guy, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Anthony, oh gosh. He, he played the, uh, played the boss in, um, oh, what, what is he? that? In the the what was it? What was the plant play? The uh, the play oh, Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. He played the boss in the Little Shop Mushnick. of Horrors. Yeah, Mushnick. So he was a character, and his wife, his wife was was the like the handyman. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. From All in the Family. That yes. was the All in the Family. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. oh yeah. You're going back to the when the when the Shepherdsons moved out, the Italian neighbors who moved in. Right. 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 Yep. And you're right. Not that the was there, there may have been neighbors in between there, but I think not the swingers. Uh, no, not this. That uh, Edith answered yeah. their ad. <laughs> it was Rue McClanahan, and I forget the guy, but they were they were swingers. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that episode. Well, <laughs> I I don't remember that episode. I've got to get back. And my ears perked up when I heard, "What's the bowl party?" <laughs> yeah, I gotta love Dad? that. Shut up. <laughs> you don't need to know. Well, I think it's interesting, though, all these characters, all these, when you look at the actors who are all working together and in all these shows, and of course you go to later shows, you know, most of these women all ended up on Golden Girls together. Mm, exactly. Yeah. You know, probably, I'm sure, Hollywood small enough at the time, it was like, oh, we know these women who already have worked together. We'll put them together in this one, too. Chemistry. Which also, uh, you know, the... Even though Golden Girls was not a Lear production. No, it wasn't a Lear, but... Um, uh, and and uh, because of that, was, you know, going to Golden Girls and in his connection, because uh, like you just said, there's a bit of a connection there. Um, Rue McCallaghan in Maud played a very ditzy character, mm-hmm. much like Rose Nyland and uh, Betty White had already played the the womanizing, the you vamp. know, the vamp on uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. So by the time they got to uh, Golden Girls, both of them said, I've already did this. And that's, you know, a big reason why they, they switched those switched roles. Characters on them. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, Betty wanted to play the ditz and, <laughs> and Rue wanted to play the, the vamp. Um, yeah, I don't... Norman, it just amazes me. You know, as I was going through all of this, it just amazes me how much... I don't... Th- I, my question, I guess, is... Uh, final question here. <sighs> Without Norman Lear, how much television would we have lost? Well, oh, and, and I'm not even just talking about. Um, I'm not talking about his shows. I'm talking about the the doors that he opened and said, "You can say this on television. You can talk about this on the television." The cats that were riding on all in the family's wake that they can suddenly say, "Oh, it's okay to say." That they're a married couple can sleep in one bed. You don't need two singles. You can say the word toilet. Turlet. 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 And that is one of the impacts that he certainly had on America. Mm-hmm. You remove him, you removed a lot of the hard work people have done in to become a, prog- a more progressive nation. I, I, you know, and what if is always a an interesting game, um, but I would think that if 
if it weren't Norman Lear, someone else would have come along because you have to remember CBS was looking to make a change. The president of CBS was saying, we're, we're attracting the wrong demographic. Um, and it was a purposeful decision for them to bring in the urban comedies. Um, because he basically, uh, was it Pat Buttram who made the uh, quote about if it had a tree in it, it killed the show? You know, because in one swoop, when I say you lost Hooterville, you essentially lost all these comedies that focus on rural America. Right. And they were saying, no, we want comedies that focus on and urban were, America. And they were doing really, really well yeah, in the, the ratings. Yeah, with the Beverly Hillbillies was one of the top-rated shows for almost its entire run. Gomer Pyle, another one. Uh, Andy Griffith, uh, and which became our Mayberry RFD. Right. I think that was CBS as well. Yes, it was. And then, of course, Green Acres, Petticoat Junction, things like that. Weird, weird uh, off, um, tangent here. You know where uh, Andy um, Andy Taylor was first seen before he, there was a Mayberry before Danny he had Thomas his own show, show? Danny yeah. Thomas show. Yes. Yeah, and he played and he played the same character, wasn't? It? Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, yeah. I think I've seen those episodes for some reason. So, so here's another what if. What if the first choice of Archie Bunker took the job? It was Mickey Rooney. Is yeah. who they wanted. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't think the show would have lasted. Oh, as long. it wouldn't have. Oh, I mean, no. it wouldn't have been the same. He no. wouldn't do it because he what? felt that it was too. He's it was cooperative, right? But I just imagine if that was the case, Norman Lear's yes. career may have been you oh, know yeah. so they're and done before. Rooney so, so there's. I think there's just tac toe with the celebrities. Yeah, I think the time was just right. And like say, if it wasn't Norman Lear, I think they would have found something. Now, would it have been as successful? Who knows? Yeah. Um, would it have been as groundbreaking, like you say, in terms no, of the uh, I don't think so. uh, the breaking of you know the language and things like that? I doubt it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we would have gotten there anyway at some point. It's just a question of wouldn't have been right. At, you know, wouldn't have been in the seventies. It would have been the eighties, maybe. And it all came down to one man, rather than committees. Coming up with the show and stuff, it was one right. creative voice. Yeah, and, and I would have to think that some of those '70s shows, uh, the one that pops into my mind immediately is Soap. Would oh, Soap yeah. be there in the '70s People if it hadn't been? People were boycotting it. Yeah, yeah, and, and you eight have, months before it even showed, showed up. up. I know. Yeah, and you have to remember. So, All in the Family was what '71, '72. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is a period when things like the Brady Bunch and the Partridge Family they were still on the air. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, courtship of Eddie Father was still. Yeah, in the so I mean, you still had this kind of wholesome, sweet family show. <laughs> Though one could argue, going back a little further, Sherwood Swartz had already started to break some barriers because we suddenly had a combined family. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. we, you know, we had already moved away from the nuclear family with the success but of the Brady Bunch. They sure didn't show the toilet. Turlet, no. As far as we knew, they never. They Mike only had. They only had a dress. They only had a changing room, <laughs> which. Those poor kids. You know how much meatloaf they ate. I have no. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right. The um, and probably even today, you know, the producer. The way I understand Hollywood works, the producer had a lot more control, creative control over a show, mm -hmm. um, than maybe even today with you know so many committees and marketing and mm -hmm. who's, you know, the basically the the bean counters out there saying you got to do this, be this, another and this. Four or five years before things shake down, and we might go back to the three networks because mm. it's just too damn expensive to make all these computer-created movies. I, you know, that's an interesting, Bob. But I don't know if now that the genie is out of the bottle, mm. I'm not sure it can be put back in that we can say. If there's okay. a wipeout, like if Warner Brothers just decide, you know what? 
we're going to keep down to 12 releases in the first half of the year mm-hmm. period and hold everything else up because it certainly seemed that's like they were doing they had Batgirl completely finished had three more um, songs to get recorded shut down by new owners at Warner Brothers yeah. mm-hmm. well and, and we're certainly still seeing a consolidation of the industry in terms of streaming because you know Warner consolidates with the you know bit Warner and right. AT&T spins Warner off merges Disney with Discovery and, and now suddenly we got Warner and Discovery's streaming services pushed together CBS has said okay we're not going to do Showtime separately anymore we're going to merge that in with their with our uh, uh, Paramount Plus mm-hmm. um, God knows what's happening at Peacock I'm not even sure why I still subscribe <laughs> it's going to um, be different you know and Netflix is out there still I think on top of the mountain but Disney's right behind it it's like you just I'm, I'm sure there's there's so many streaming services now we're going to, I think Bob is actually, I shouldn't say actually, but I think Bob is correct. It may, if we're going to get back to three or four basic subscriber, or basic services, um, but it won't be the broadcast networks anymore. It's going to be through these streaming services. Right. Right. But and the same concept. It's, it's just going to be the three or four. and you know, Which is why UPN and WB couldn't survive on their own. They had to become right. the CW. There was just too many network choices i also think uh when i was reading uh i was reading this history of of norman lear uh and they say you know on saturday nights 60 percent of all television sets in america were turned on they had 50 to 60 million viewers well yes and you want to know why and we all know why because there was only three networks then so three choices there so we as a society were a little bit more unified in what we watched if something really tripped our triggers on the family mash uh roots. jefferson's roots Dallas. was roots was a huge one um yeah yeah we but we all we all gravitated so yeah. you Did know you those see that yesterday history. and that was before videotape and everything right. so if you missed it you right. missed it Exactly. You just had what kids were talking about on playground, which right. is which is interesting because I I don't know if we brought up in this this podcast before, but why you'd often see the same guest star, for lack of a better word, in multiple roles through the course of a ser- series. It's because back then they never thought about reruns necessarily, even. Right. So yeah. they knew they could take this character actor and use him or her two or three times because who's ever going to see it again? Uh, right, right. Who's going to remember that this and guy I'm, was store clerk number one yeah. and then policeman number two? You know, who's going to? Yeah. Well, now we all know. Well, and, um, you know, I listened to this podcast called uh, The Real Brady Bros and uh, with uh, Christopher Knight and the other guy, uh, Barry Williams. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> All you need is Christopher Knight. I'm still here, Christopher. Uh, What's that? The perm that never died. The perm that never died. Um, But they even talk about the same. They've they've talked about a couple times uh, what you said, Dave, about um, continuity was not important because of the concept. Certainly not the Brady Bunch. (laughs) Because one moment they'd have the the brown station wagon, and then, you know, two episodes later they'd have a green station wagon, and and, and it was just whatever they pulled off the lot, basically. And nobody expected that to happen to Cousin Oliver, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about poor Uncle Oliver. Well, they didn't even show show the episodes necessarily in the order they had filmed them. Right. So Cousin Oliver made his appearance before the show that he was supposed to be introduced in. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's already on there. He was in there building a house of cards because that's what you do in the Brady household. <laughs> Darn right. You can't go to the bathroom, so. <laughs> Dude, yeah. You, you know, and everyone just accepting that Cousin Oliver's around. And, no more. And then the next bad. one they have, oh, here's Cousin Oliver. He's going to live with you guys now. What's the name of the dog? He disappeared. Tiger. 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 There's Tiger 1 Tiger 2. Yeah. Hey, but, you guys want to do I'm a I'm sure Brady Bunch is yeah. for a whole other episode or another <laughs> oh, yes. podcast. Right? Oh, definitely. Uh, hey, you guys want to do a quiz? Guess what, guys? No. I, oh. Oh. I'm <laughs> I love doing quizzes. What do you I'm think kidding. this is? The airport? I actually have. <laughs> I actually have um, another prize. I have a prize. Wow. So we're going to be keeping. Yes. It better be cereal. It's not. We have not talked about cereal yet, except it, these Fruit Loop straws. I'm being, yeah, yeah, they got Fruit Loop straws out there, a, and the thousands of you. Listening. I noticed it's a product of Greece, and it's a little weird. But it's no, it's it is not. But it is too. I mean, what what the hell? Is oh no, not that. I'm talking about this isn't cereal. You'll get oh. for your Christmas. I know. Ooh, fruit look slices. At fruit, little sugar fruit slices. It might get dangerous in here. I know, I know. Um, and I'm so glad I did an extra couple questions because Ron took one already. Yay! Yay! Um, so anyway, so let's say I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep, keep score. Okay. And uh, we're gonna see who wins the uh, holiday fruit slices. Mm. All right. We're ready, gentlemen. Good. We're going to start. Let's start this. We're going to start with Jeff. Okay. Gilligan's score. Island. Well, that was close. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. The first question, Jeff, you'll answer first. <laughs> all in the Family was based off a British comedy. What was his other sitcom that was based off a British comedy? Oh, was it A, One Day at a Time, B, Sanford and Son, C, the Jeffersons. Start with Jeff. Anytime, Jeff. I'm going to. What's that? <laughs> Get, can you turn the paper a little more? I can't see it. <laughs> uh, that's why you want to play poker. I'm going to say Sanford and Sons. All right, Bob. Listen, you big dummy. It's the big one, Edith. Run. Sanford and Son. Yep. All right, run. Steptoe and Son. Dave Sanford. Yay! Yep, Sanford and Son. Ooh, everybody gets a point for bow, that bow, one. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, oh, he's actually keeping school. Yeah, we got to see who wins these wonderful fruit treats. All tied up, and we're all tied up to start out, which is great. I'm just going to answer so how Ron does, and we're never going to get up. We're always going to be tied. I don't. Know <laughs> oh, I got a tie-breaking idea too, Uh-oh. but it has the nope. I'm not going to do that, Brian. Jello involved in <laughs> anyway. Um, in won't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I won't do that. Number two, in what year did Norman Lear receive his star on the Walk of Fame? Was I love those looks that Dave gives. Uh, is it A, 1970? Oh, yeah, Bob, you'll be the first one on here. Uh, in what year did Norman Lear receive his star on the Walk of Fame? Was it A, 1975, B, 1981, or C, 1997? 1981. All right, Ron, 75, 81, 97. 97. 97. 97. 1975. Really? What? Wow. Yeah. That seems wow. too early. I know, that's what yeah, I thought. They didn't do anything. That's a good press, Adrian. <laughs> that's a very good press. I think they actually have to pay for the installation themselves and the maintenance. Well, so. he had the money by then. Yeah, wow, we're all still tied. Him. Yeah, all still tied. 
Lear received number three. Sweaty, my palms are sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> you've been eating a lot of sugar. That's why. Um, number three, Lear received his first of two Peabody Awards in what year? A and Ron, this will this will start. Uh, you'll start this uh, first of two Peabody Awards in what year? 1977, 1983, 1984. 77, 83, 84. 77. All right. I would say 72. And I was just kidding about answering the way you do, but that's the only one that makes sense to me. Since you got the star. So it was probably 84. I'm going to say 77. 77. 77. 77. 1977. I'm going to run out of room here. This Sorry, week. I was giving Brian a look because I was questioning his his tallying. My method. scoring. Yeah, let's not do it. Let's do uh, it this way. Hey, questions. Come on, let's go. Okay. God. Where's some of my... Anyway. Sure. Four. Which one of Lear's shows, and Dave, you'll be starting this, which one of the Lear's shows led to his receiving the Media Icon Award from the National Hispanic Media Coalition? What are we doing oh. here? I'm telling you, it's a Norman Lear. I know this one. Okay, um, so we'll start with... <laughs> well, all right then, sir. <laughs> just bypassed it, just hand it to me. Hi. <laughs> Uh, will be up for grabs. Is it A, On the Family, B, Maud, C, One Day at a Time? The remake of One Day at a Time. Jeff? I want to be specific. It was the reboot. What was the name of the award? Uh, the Media Icon Award from the National Hispanic Media Coalition. And Wow. And Cheek when a man's not in there? Oh, no. No, it's okay. All in the uh, Family, no. Maud, One Day at a Time. Maud. Uh, Maud. Okay. I, I'm going to go with Maud, too. <coughs> All right. One day at a time. <coughs> a show that chokes Ron up every time. Oh. One day at a time. Oh, they broke away. And yes, it was. The reboot the was focused on a Latino family. It was the reboot um, that they did on Netflix, and it was a Latino family. Rita Moreno played the grandmother. Yep. and uh, So Ron gets a point there. Dave gets a point there. All right. All right. Jeff and Bob, you're one behind here, right. guys. We'll clean up. Okay, all right. You still got plenty of time. Number five. Which one of these actors is Norman Lear's godchild? Oh, dear. I know. This is exciting. Is it, And, uh, Jeff, we start with you. Uh, A, John Goodman. B, Katie Seagal. C, Ben Stiller. I read this. <clears throat> I, I think it's Katie Seagal. Okay. Katie Seagal. Okay. Show me Ben Stiller. Okay. Ben Stiller. Jeff and Bob just picked it up with Katie Seagal. I didn't say. I thought Ben Stiller was the only one young enough. Yeah, no, no, Katie Seagal. Number six. So we're all tied again. Number yeah. Well, Ron, we're out of it. (laughs) No pressure. No. While it lasted. Number six. What was, according to Norman Lear in a GQ in 2020, what was Norman's favorite All in the Family episode? Was it A? And Bob, we're going to start with you. A, Gloria has her baby. B, Archie finds out his football playing buddy is gay. Or C, Edith's crisis of faith. Edith's crisis of faith. All right. Uh, Ron. Show me B, Brian. The gay football player. Well, let me show you. (laughs) I'm going to go with crisis. Crisis? I agree. I'm going to stick with crisis. 
It was the Edith crisis of faith. Uh, so everybody stepped forward, and Ron stayed right where he was. Unbelievable. Um, all right, number seven, and this one we start with Ron. Okay, at the height of his popularity, one show was still initially rejected by all three major networks. What was it? A, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. B, The Jeffersons. Or C, Good Times. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. Yeah, I, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. Yep. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Wow. He ended up going right to syndication. That, like, he did yeah. that himself, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah he, he did. went right to into syndication. Right into syndication. All right. Number question, folks. Start with you. What was Lear's net worth at the time of his death? Gazillion dollars. Was what? it A, $150 million, B, $200 million, C, $250 million? What did you do with the $452 million? <laughs> I spent it. Cocaine and hookers. Meth is a hell of a drug, Dave. It is. I'll, I'll just go with C. 250 million. One, 150 million, 200 million, or 250? 150 million. 250. All right. Excuse me while I go swim in the money vault, but it will be 250 million dollars. So far, we all got 250 million. Ron, what do you say? I, I gotta go out on my own, so I'll see if I can pick up a point here. Give me 200 million, Brian. And Ron! Yes! Ron, step that up there. So, oh, it looks like you all are tied again. Yes! Welcome to hell. Okay. <laughs> Number nine. Uh, Jeff, we're back to okay. you. Um, what? Oh, no, is it to you? No. Who started the last You started time? the 100 million. Yeah, oh, I was first. Because okay. you got You're it right. wrong and everybody followed you. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Because, oh, I'm, because I'm a leader. That's <laughs> true. Right off that bridge. Okay. What actor, number nine, Jeff, what actor did Norman Lear originally offer the role of Mike Stivick? Oh. To? Yeah, you thought you knew where I was going, okay. didn't you, pal? Right. He zigged when he zagged. He Rooney. Um, it ain't the Rooney. Um, what actor did Norman Lear originally offer the role of Mike Stivic to? Was it A, Dan Aykroyd, B, Ron Howard, C, Harrison Ford? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think Ron Howard would have been, would have been too young at that time. So I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to say Harrison Ford. I, All right. What was uh, number one? It's like an odd thing. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. All right. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. All right. Harrison, Ron, or Dan? Dave. Today's party can get I'm going to say Ron Howard. Harrison Ford. Yes! Harrison Ford. So Jeff and Ron took the lead on that one. How many questions we got there, Brian? Uh, We got about five or just six more. Okay. And I was doing the mental math. How old was Ron Howard when Happy Day started? Yeah, yeah he was in his early twenties, but he was yeah. playing younger. Yeah. So, uh, number ten, and this starts with Bob. Who did Norman Lear once state was the most difficult celebrity he ever worked with? Sammy Davis Jr. Was it A. Dean Martin, B. Jerry Lewis, C. B. Arthur? Jerry Lewis. All right, Ron. B. Arthur. All right. Who's the first one again? Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, B. Arthur. I'm going to go with B. 
B. Uh, Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, B. Arthur. Jerry Lewis. No. In your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Bob's Bob's ahead of you guys. All right. Um, I wonder when he worked with Jerry Lewis. Well, there when was they so did the writing, they were, the writing. They, were, they were the writers he for Dean Martin and Dean Jerry Martin Lewis in the Colgate Comedy Oh, hours, so. see, I wasn't paying enough attention to yeah, the yeah. little bit. That's what you get. That's what you get for missing uh, staff meetings there, Dave. Yeah. Well, I, I heard you read it. I just, well, here. I was focused surgeon. on my cereal. Yeah, yeah, I, I see from that. one surgeon to another. Oh, thank you. Um, Star Trek. Oh, that's right. You're right. Okay. Took me a second. You got it. Okay. I got it. I didn't have any chips. Who was who was Lear's first choice for Archie Bunker? Forget it. <laughs> We're not asking that question. It was already revealed. Um thanks, Ron. No problem, Brian. That's why I'm here. <laughs> twelve Number twelve. Which actor actually number eleven now. Which actor from All in the Family was the first to win an Emmy? Was it and who do we start with? Bob? Bob. Yes. Was it Carol Connor? B. Gene Stapleton, C. Rob Reiner. Carol O'Connor, Gene Stapleton, oh, or Rob Reiner. Yes. Who was the first Gene to win? Gene Stapleton. I mean, Gene Stapleton. What do you say, Ron? I'm going to go with Rob Reiner. All right. I'm going with Stapleton. Yeah, I think Stapleton. Yep, it was Gene Stapleton. Mickey Brownie. I should have got that. <laughs> I think it's during the whole women's movement that not many women were getting right. big, you know. But also, she had such a great Broadway career. Well, she did. Oh yeah, she did. People, yeah, they of were a already age with just looking. Go, I remember her. My teeth were still in the jar. <laughs> Number thirteen or twelve, wherever we're at. Whose idea? And this is for Ron. Whose idea was it for Sammy Davis Jr. to kiss Archie? Was it A. Norman Lear, B. Carol O'Connor, C. Sammy Davis Jr. Uh Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis. I agree, Sammy Davis. The Candyman, Sammy Davis. Yep, yep. So you all got another one there. All right. Which ex? I, I'm horrible with that. I almost had somebody else do it because I figured I didn't want to. But anyway, which ex-president complained that yeah, this is for you that Lear was making fun of a very good man, referring to Archie Bunker? <laughs> was it A. Johnson, B. Nixon, C. Ford. Richard E. Nixon. <laughs> Jeff? I'm going to say Ford. Bob? I was a crook. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me a mill house, Richard Nixon. It was Nixon. Right. Yep. Uh, doom. That was too obvious. Doom. And, oh no, Jeff, you didn't get that. Right. You didn't get that, Jeff. I did that on purpose. Oh, that, just, <laughs> I, that's so nice of you. He doesn't even like the fruit. Uh, <laughs> And he's taking a knee. <laughs> next, yeah, he's taking a knee. Uh, next one. Lear told GQ magazine in 2020 that the one character who truly was most like him was. Where at you, right? Or no, Jeff. Was A. Florida Evans, <laughs> B. Maud Finley, C. Mike Stivic. I'm say Mike Stivic. Bob. God'll get you, Maud. All right. Show me the meathead. All right. Stivic. Maud. No way. Oh. Gotta go with those Finleys. 
Hide a lot <laughs> Darn of right. Darn right. Darn right. Where she got those vests all the time. I loved those vests. It was, that was a Batman cape. All right. So it looks like I got one more question. It was supposed to be a tiebreaker, but since we lost the Mickey Rooney question, we'll, well just use this. Blame me. <laughs> I think he did. Last question. Yeah. I think, I think he did. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What's the score right now? Oh, uh, one, Bob's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight for Jeff. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wait. Tension is building in the studio, folks. <laughs> Nine for Bob. Oh. Insurmountable odds face the other. Seven for um, Ron. <laughs> He's got to be hurt with that pay. And seven for Dave. Oh, my gosh. So we're done. Why well, an answer? I, I, well, you should I, I still question her. I still question his tallying methods. Well, <laughs> so. I'm not I sure, I'm not sure that it's accurate, but... Hashtag my I believe in a, I believe in a peaceful transfer of power. So so <laughs> hashtag my fruit slices. Je- Jeff, <laughs> I have a chance to tie up here. I got Jeff it. could tie this up, depending. All right, uh, number sixteen question or fifteen. Norman Lear has an Oscar-winning cousin. Would you get no? Get away. <laughs> Dave's trying to steal my my gift here, uh, the, the prize. Norman Lear has an Oscar-winning cousin. Who is it? This is worth three points, right? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's make it worth three points. I like oh, that. Okay. 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 Three points. It's still up in the air because anybody's good. Good. Gladys, get my uh, agent on the line, please. <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> Um, is his Oscar-winning cousin A. Dustin Hoffman, B. Meryl Streep, C. Carl Reiner, and who did we start with? Uh, who started the last one with Maude Finley? Oh, that was you. Yeah. So Bob, you start. Last question for three points. Norman Lear has an Oscar-winning cousin. Is it Dustin Hoffman, Meryl Streep, Carl Reiner? Carl Reiner. And Ron. For all the fruit slices here, by the way. <laughs> Show me Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman. Okay. And? We'll keep it interesting, Meryl Streep. Okay. And Jeff. <laughs> it's interesting. You're either going to choose. They, they've all chosen. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, Just hand them over. I'm going to say Carl Reiner. <laughs> the person with the three points and the winner of the fruit slices is Dustin Hoffman. Run. Oh, Run. Okay. Congratulations, Run. I don't know. Are you going to give them to him? Of course I'm going to give them to him. <laughs> Not the cereal straws, Dave. Not the cereal straws. You like me. You really like me. No, you, don't. you really don't. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Is don't see the resemblance. I didn't either. I hope Maybe not. They never worked together as far as I know. Maybe they did. I, I don't know that no. they did. Well, they're cousins. They don't have to work together. Well, that's true. But they're cousins. Identical. Identical. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was fun. That was a, a fun. Dive. Um, well, that's it for. Talk like they talk even. like even. Some, whatever, something, something. They walk alike. Walk alike. Talk alike. Talk alike. It sounds the even sound alike. Are two of a kind. All right. Well, I'm glad. I am so glad you guys are in a singing mood because let me tell you, 
episode 18 folks we're going to wrap it up here we want to thank um uh we want to thank everyone uh, for listening the thousands of you uh we want to thank impact studios here uh high atop the uh, benish building in in uh, beautiful downtown monroe michigan i want to thank these four guys who keep coming back and uh i think year two is going to be just as fun as if not more fun than year one in february we got one we got one more uh, episode coming up i'll tell you what it is here in a second but in february us guys on the porch Ron's finally going to get what he wanted. I'm letting. What? I'm letting them. Not a rude. I'm a, <laughs> that's one hell of a pearl uh, necklace. Um, oh, uh, Saturday. She starches those collars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm inviting these gentlemen of a certain age in <laughs> off the porch. We're going to do a Saturday evening where I'm inviting these guys over, and we're going to do uh, retro board games. So that we're going to one of the episodes uh, we're going to talk about in February is retro board games, and uh, we'll we'll uh, talk about what we what we played and other games. But but the next episode, Jumanji, <laughs> Candyland. Then we don't have to count. Well, I like that. Um, the next episode, however, was a suggestion from our own uh, face, also known as Dave War, and uh, we will be talking about. The good old days of the novelty songs. Oh, okay, good. So nice, we'll be talking nice. uh, novelty songs. So um, you know, get your get your uh, thoughts in in that. Uh, make sure you get to um, write a letter to your mama. Hello, Mada. Hello, Fada. Uh, you know, shut up at your face. Um, and we'll we'll hit some of the big we'll hit some of the big ones too because I, I've always said um, Weird Al. I mean, he's made a living out of novelty songs, as did Tom Lear. Um, back in the oh, 60s. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be talking about... Whose career was destroyed by the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Was it really? Well, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that, Bob. Um, so, but until then... Um, I figured it'd be for poisoning pigeons in the park. <laughs> uh, but until then, um, we thank you all again. And uh, I know it's deep in the in wintertime now as, as we uh, go from January into February. But uh, if you're out there and you're walking around, God, stay off our lawn. <laughs> Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew where you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mister, we could use a man like Raymond Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare states. Everybody pulled his weight. She our old lasso.